Hello, friends, and welcome to the show. This episode of HR Oxygen is brought to you by Boss Builders University. If you're looking to train up your supervisors and managers, please check out our newest offering, The Art of Being a Great Boss. In this 13-month program, I will personally be taking your managers through our driving results curriculum, which includes topics on communication, performance management, motivation, delegation, problem-solving, decision-making, team development, and much more. The sessions are virtual, running one hour each month. It'll be live, and I'll be doing it using our popular sketch and seminar graphic art and storytelling format. No boring PowerPoints, stale stories, and outdated tools and techniques. The sessions are engaging and provide tactical, practical tools that can be used immediately after the sessions. For more information, check us out online at thebossbuilders.com. We are in the early weeks of 2021. Many of us are looking for a much better year than we had last year. And that, on top of a normal new year, also brings in people that are thinking about resolutions and intentions. And so one of the things that people often say is they're going to get healthy in the new year. And I'm going to lose weight in the new year. Well, maybe you've got a bigger goal than that. Maybe your goal is you want to make 2021 the year you run your very first marathon. And if that sounds like you, we have a very special guest for you today. Our guest is Mark Young. Now, if the name sounds familiar, it's probably the last name because Mark is Lisa Young, our very own Lisa Young's husband. Mark is an avid marathoner. He has run 61 marathons in his life, and he is, I believe, probably the best person I could get to talk about running marathons. I asked Mark a lot of different questions, diet, the type of shoes to get, the way you should start training, and he answered all of those. So if you are thinking about making running a marathon your goal for this year, then right now, go ahead and pause this, get some paper and a pencil out. You're going to definitely want to take notes because Mark is going to show you how to get it done. I'll quit talking. Let's let Mark do the talking. You know what to do. It's time to put that personal item under the seat in front of you. Time to buckle that seatbelt. It's about time to take off. Should the cabin lose pressure, oxygen masks will drop from the overhead area. Please place the mask over your own mouth and nose before assisting others. Hello, and welcome to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast, the show focused on the overworked, overwhelmed, and underappreciated HR professional. And now, here is the host of our show, the boss builder, Mac Monroe. Mark Young, welcome to the show. Thanks for having me. Yeah, so for the audience who does not know, Mark Young is the husband of the very famous Lisa Young, who works with us at Boss Builders. And we're doing a series now as we enter the new year on New Year's resolutions, things that people say they want to get done in 2021, being that 2020 was such an awful year. And I think for some people, they probably say, this is the year I'm going to get in shape, and maybe this would be the year that I'm going to run a marathon. And so, Mark, you are somebody who's run a number of marathons in your time. And so I want to start out by asking you something about your background. What got you started running marathons? And tell us about your marathon running journey. Well, I've been doing them for a little over 30 years. I've um, uh, always been kind of an exercise uh, uh, fitness uh, junkie. Um, I, I kind of look at myself as, as I have a swimming background. Uh, swam in high school, swam for a little bit in college. 
Um, and uh, I kind of look at myself as a swimmer who runs versus a runner who swims. Um, but I just do, try to do both. Um, I kind of got into running because I started to want to do triathlons uh, back in my 20s. And it, it realized that I really hate biking. And uh, but the swimming and the running kind of suck. And uh, you know, one thing about running is that uh, you know the, the roads are always open. Uh, there's no there's no fee, and uh, you know it's always open, never crowded. And so um, it's a very convenient uh, way to to an efficient way to to uh, get exercise. I started doing uh, marathon. My first marathon, I did my first marathon um, uh, was around 1990. Uh, it was a Marine Corps marathon and uh, done that a number of times. And I and, uh, do uh, the Disney marathon almost every year. Well, just about every year. This is their 28th year, although this year was virtual. I could not do it. So I made sure I did, did it virtually, which um, was a new experience. But uh, it's a. Uh, it's it's been fun. So how many have you run, Mark, in your estimation? Sixty-one. Sixty-one. And let's see. So you've run, you said you ran the Marine Corps, you've run the Disney Marathon. Which is the hardest one you've ever run? Hardest one I've ever run. Um, when I think about it, would uh, the Erie Marathon was pretty tough. Uh, it was just hot that day. Um, I don't run well in the heat. Um, so the heat and I are not good friends. So I, I generally like it on the colder side. Um, uh, so that one was pretty tough just because of the heat. Um, uh, that one, yeah, definitely sticks out. Okay. And there was a time now I'm, I'm trying to think back on when it was, but you had done something where you ran a marathon every month for a year. Am I accurate in that? That's right. In 2008, um, yeah, I, I was looking for a reason to to do something that was not, you know, to run a marathon is one thing, but you, you want to you want a purpose. You want a reason bigger than yourself, other than yourself to um, to do. You see a lot these days with people doing charity runs, running, run, raising money for charities or on, on uh, in memory or in honor of someone. And so I uh, decided to do a marathon a month to raise money for a couple of different charities. And so uh, it was 2008. I did about one a month for every month. For I started with Disney and I finished with Disney 364 days later. So that is so I guess did you train in between or did you just use the marathon as your training? So I did train in between. Um, uh Typically with marathon training, you want to work in and build up uh, about every other week, do a long run and build that long run up. And uh, I just kind of use that as my those as my long runs throughout that year. Um, in between, it was usually a week of recovery and then kind of get right back out there and get back at it. Okay. Well, you obviously know what you're talking about, having run 61 marathons. So you're the right guy to ask these questions to. But for somebody who is just starting out, they haven't really run much at all. And they said, my goal is to run a marathon. Let's say that they're going to start in January. When would be the right month to book that marathon? Would it be wait till summertime? What would you recommend? I would recommend the fall um, because otherwise you're... Um, 
you need you need the time to 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 build up uh, and build up your stamina. And if you plan it too soon in the summer, you, you, I really don't recommend running a marathon in the summer because it's just too hot. Um, so the fall is a good time. It gives you a chance to use the spring to gradually build your base. Gives you the summer to to just as you're starting to build up that longer run um, uh, in your training, you then the, the weather's starting to break uh, late August into September and October. So the fall is is always a really popular time. Okay, so somebody who says I'm going to start in January. Now we know when we want to book the marathon. What do they need to get started? What would you recommend in terms of shoes, clothes? Can I, does it really matter what you wear? Do your shoes really matter that much? Shoes definitely matter. You need to, you want to find out what, what your foot type is. And um, when I say that is you want to find out how much your, your foot pronates. Um, you, your, your foot naturally rolls from heel, from your outer heel to, to the ball of your foot. Some people's feet roll or rotate on that more than others. And you want to uh, find out what shoe matches the type of foot and type of, of, of uh, pronation that you have. Um, you have stability shoes. You have shoes for people who underpronate. You have people shoes for people who overpronate. And the way to the best way to do that is to really go to a, a running shoe store. You don't go to a general uh, store that sells all kinds of fitness equipment because they generally don't know what they're talking about. Um, you want to go to a, a, a good store, a store that that's caters to runners, and usually they'll they'll do an analysis of your stride. Um, they'll they'll um, uh, some go very high tech with that. Some they just have really good experienced people there that know can watch your stride, and they can. And then there's also the wet foot test, uh, where you literally you take. You, you wet your feet like you step out of the shower and you step onto a, a, you can step onto something that will show what your footprint looks like and you can tell by looking at how high your arch is uh, they can really tell how high your arch is by doing that and then match you up with the right shoe you only really have to do that one time once you know the type of shoe you have you can buy that shoe forever and ever I mean I've been wearing the same model of shoe and running shoes are like cars every year their shoe manufacturers come out with a new model and they you might change the paint color so to speak but the, the, the core of the shoe is the same and so and that way you can shop it around online you can find you know good bargains good deals good good um, sales and things like that but you want to you do want to get a good pair of shoes and a good pair of socks you want to make sure you wear a good pair of running socks because that's where potential for chafing can come in and blistering. And so you want to make sure you have a right, a good, don't just wear any, any kind of sock. You want to, you want a good pair of running socks as well. How long can I expect a pair of running shoes to last if I'm training in those for a marathon? You can get a, out of a good pair of running shoes, um, probably three to 400 miles uh, out of a good pair of shoes, um, depending on your body type and how much you pronate. Um, and then, um, the, the quality of the shoe that you're buying, uh, the different manufacturers um, with the outsole, the, 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 there's the outsole and the midsole. Uh, the outsole is the rubbery part of the shoe that makes contact with the ground. And so if you're a normal pronator, uh, average body type uh, in terms of size, you, you easily get three or 400 miles out of a pair of running shoes, sometimes more. Okay. 
And what can I expect to pay for a pair of running shoes? You're going to spend anywhere from 80 or $90 up to $140, uh, depending on the type of shoe, um, being savvy with shopping it around, of course. Um, um, but it's, it's worth the investment. Um, you don't want to wear a poor quality shoe because that's literally the shock absorbers um, for your whole body. Okay. So if I'm going to start training, now I've got my marathon planned, I've got my shoes bought. What would be a good, I guess, a good sequence that you would recommend for somebody who barely can run down to the mailbox and back, and yet they want to run a marathon in the fall? What would you recommend as a training regimen? Uh, start walking uh, before you start running. What the walking will do for you is it'll build up your joints uh, and, and it'll help you your body adjusts to the, um, the, the, the pounding uh, that you're going to go through um, from running um, and then gradually build in sh short, short intervals of running. Um, there are times where I've gotten injured and I've had to take some time off. And when I come back to, when I get back out there, I start running. I, I mean, excuse me, I start walking and I'll walk, um, for anywhere from 30 to 60 minutes, three or four times a week. And then within that, because it's easy math, I'll break it down into 10 minute cycles and I'll start with a 30 minute walk, but I'll, and I'll just run for one minute, walk for nine or flip that. I'll walk for nine, then I'll run for one, then I'll walk for nine and walk for one for 10 minutes. And then I'll build that up. I start to do it for half an hour and then I'll build it up. Then after a couple of weeks, I go to 40 minutes and then 50 minutes and then to an hour. And then you know, I start changing that ratio around. Um, go to eight minutes walking, two minutes running, seven minutes walking, three minutes running until I until I get up to eighty or ninety percent running. Um, there are other other ways of doing the walk run mix. Uh, I just like that ten minute number because it's easy math and it's easy to track on your watch when you're out there. Um, some people will do it. Uh, one minute running and four minutes walking or, but a good walk run mix and it's just slowly build up and uh, over time. And that's why it's a good six to nine months of training is what you want to give you to give yourself time to gradually adjust. You don't want to go from uh, walking for an hour to running for an hour overnight because you're going to get shin splints or other types of injuries. So, but eventually you'll get to the point where you walk out the door of your house and you start running and then you run for X amount of miles then, right? Usually. Yeah. In my case, um, in my case, because, because I, because I cross train with swimming as much as I do, I don't have to do as much, quite as much running as somebody who's just running to train for a marathon. Um, over time, you know, the, in the, in the, in the final two months at eight weeks and six weeks and four weeks out, my running weekly running mileage will get up to 35 miles a week. Um, some people do a little less, some people do a lot more, but that's, I find that that's what works for me. Okay. So do you spend like maybe Monday through Friday, you're doing medium distance and then on maybe Saturday or Sunday, you do a longer one. Is that how you cycle up to it? Exactly right. Yeah. Um, there are, there are more um, complicated or sophisticated uh, running programs that um, 
have you doing speed work and hill work and um, and and every other week doing a long run. Um, I've kind of done some of those programs in the past, but if somebody wants to do it for the first time, I don't recommend people overthink that and do too deep of a dive into a, a, a complicated um, training program. You know, I follow the keep it keep it simple mantra um, of um, uh, during the week, uh, Monday through Friday, do th- um, three about three uh, medium distance build up to about three medium distance runs. And then on the weekend do that long run and then that build that. Don't worry about building up the weekday runs as much. The main thing you want to focus on is that long run. So in a, for example, three months out before a marathon and two months out before the marathon, me, I might go six miles three times a week and then on the weekend do a 10 miler and then two weeks later do a 12 miler and two weeks later do a 14 miler and gradually build that, build that long run up until I'm going um, uh, 18 to 20 miles about three to four weeks before the actual race. Um, you can't really help yourself in the last two weeks before the race. So at that point you get to start tapering down and um, just kind of dialing down on the, on the uh, distance and the intensity. Okay. Do you ever run a full marathon before the marathon or is the actual race going to be the goal? The actual race is going to be the goal. Um, well, if you can, if someone can go 18 miles to 19 miles, 20 miles, they can do 26. Um, I am a firm believer that the hardest part of a marathon is the mental aspect. Um, once you've, you decided that I'm going to finish this thing. Um, the rest, the rest is, is, is easy. Um, people, when I have conversations about running and they, you know, we talk about marathons, or whatever, and I tell them how many marathons I've done, they, you know, I get that wow kind of response. I tell them that the, the, the mar- a marathon is a mental exercise as more so I feel than a physical exercise. Okay. So when you're doing your training, Mark, what do you recommend for a diet? Can you pretty much eat whatever you want because you're running so much, or is there something special you'd recommend? I've, <laughs> I've always been a, a believer in my own mind that you can kind of just take the take the restrictions off and kind of go crazy but and eat whatever you want. But you do want to be smart about your diet, about what you eat. Um, you just anything in moderation uh is is really the, uh what you should focus on um you don't want to you do want to eat you know the day before that long run you do want to you know the, the whole term of carbo loading is is a real thing so you do want to you don't want to uh eat eat there but but just eating a, a well-balanced diet is really um uh, what you want to do um to get through that first marathon you don't 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 make it harder than it needs to be. And what I say it mean is just even just get a well-balanced diet, um, not too much of any one thing, uh, everything, anything in moderation, um, because putting yourself on a super strict diet is potentially setting yourself up for, for, for a failure and don't make it harder on yourself. Okay. 
All right, so we've gone through our training. We are ready for the marathon. Let's just say we're going to run the uh, the Disney because I know you've done that a number of times. How many people typically will be out there when you go to run your first marathon? That can be for Disney. Disney is one of the bigger marathons in the country. They'll have 20,000 to 25,000 people out there. Um, I've done marathons with as few as 100 to 150 people. Up to Disney and and Marine Corps, we'll, we'll have, you know, Disney will have twenty five thousand. Marine Corps will have twenty five thousand or so. Um, so it, it just depends on which race you pick. I generally like my favorite. My favorite marathons are the ones that are kind of kind of in that five thousand range. Um, there's a lot. There's enough people for a lot of energy, a lot of you know, to make it a make it a, a, a fun uh, atmosphere. Um, but it's not you know, rush hour at five o'clock, bumper to bumper. Okay. So how do you start? So let's just say I'm in a race that has 25,000 people. Is it like whoever gets there first gets to go up to the starting line or how does this all work out? Cause that seems like it would take forever to get everybody lined up. Yeah. So marathon planners are really good with logistics and what they'll do is they'll have uh, they'll, you'll be assigned a wave. Um, they'll often ask you for a, um, uh, a, a time in a previous race that you've done. Um, and it doesn't always have to be a, a previous marathon. A lot of marathons will take um, a uh, proof of time for a half marathon or even a, a, a 10 miler. So they can put you into a wave that, that has uh, uh, people of comparable speed, comparable ability, so that you don't have elite runners with walkers in the same wave. And so um, uh, different races have different numbers of waves and they'll spread those waves out by X number of minutes. So even though a race might start at 5.30 in the, mor- in the morning, your wave might not go until 6 or 6.15. New York City Marathon is, is you know, the, the granddaddy, one of the granddaddy races of them all, New York City and Boston. And their, their waves are just, uh, they look like a, a stadium full of football people, uh, football fans. So now the race has started. We're we're on our way. There's people all over the place. Where do you go to the bathroom when you're running a marathon? Um, inhibitions are often lost at marathons. And one of the things I love about marathons is that every one of the many things I like is that everyone is of like mind. And if you know, that's where guys have a little bit of an advantage where we can sort of duck off into the nearest tree, behind the nearest tree or the nearest bush. Um, but uh, being that Today is a time with, you know, equality. You could be right next to a lady who's got her no inhibitions there either. And and we're all here. We're all adults. We're all here with the same goal. Um, but most big races have um, uh, tons and tons of porta johns at the pre-race area. And then they'll have them along the course every few miles. Um, so you can actually wait until you get to a Porta John. Uh, Disney is really wonderful because you run through all four of the park theme parks. And so if you want a nicer restroom, you can wait until you hit one of those theme parks and go into an actual bathroom and, and go there. But it, a lot depends on which race it is that you're doing. Um, some of them are just kind of out in the m- middle of nowhere. Um, and you don't have a lot of options there. Others, you just kind of get creative. Uh, 
I've done races where you've run past a construction site and, oh, there's a portage right there. Let's go, you know, borrow that. And you, know, um, you just, just kind of learn to keep your radar up when uh, nature calls. Okay. Now, do you have to pack your own water or is there water breaks along the way? Um, how about food? I mean, do you have to bring your own stuff or is this taken care of? That is taken care of. Uh, the race organizers will have water stations in a, in a typical 26-mile marathon. They'll have anywhere from 13 to 18 or 19 water stations. So you'll have a water station about every mile and a half. Um, and then they'll also have food stations uh, where they'll have different uh, variety of foods there. They'll have bananas. Uh, they'll have um, uh, gels. Um, they'll have um, some different races are known for having um one race that I've done had a, they call it a candy cane lane where, where you just want something, you know, sweet to make you feel good. And then you, and you run in this area and they have, um, literally they have candy canes, they'll have Hershey kisses, they'll have M&Ms. Um, those are not, th th those are kind of a one-time kind of thing just to make you feel good late in a race. They really are not great things to eat during a race in terms of uh, helping you. Um, I use a product that it's, they're, they're literally, they're, they're energy beans. They're like jelly beans because they transport very easily. Um, so I carry my own. Um, um, so, the, the, so it's, and some people do that. They'll carry their own and, and then they'll also supplement with what the race organizers provide. Okay. Now, if you need to, is it against the rules to stop and walk for a while or do you have to keep moving or they pull you off the course? So there's a there's a there's a, a mantra that I kind of uh, read a long time ago and that's always stuck with me is run when you want to walk if you have to crawl if you need to and just finish and so you can do any of those things um, they um, most people who finish a marathon walk at some point except for the elite runners the Olympic runners. Um, whether it's if you're a, if you're a three hour marathoner, you might just walk through a couple of water stops or um, if you're a four hour marathoner, you might do walk at every mile. Um, if you're you know a six hour marathoner, you might pre predominantly walk the whole thing. It, a lot depends on the race. Um, a lot of races um, cater to that mid-level runner uh, who just wants to finish that marathon. And um, there are other races that are very well known for the um, charities that they support. And um, uh, they offer uh, they offer the um, uh, camaraderie and uh, they'll, form, they'll form groups and teams and things like that. But um, all you have to do is finish and not take a cab. Okay. So we've managed to, to run the race. We've crossed the finish line. Um, what would you recommend for recovery? Once you're done with the run, sit in a hot tub, what's good for recovery? Just the, the day of, and then maybe the following week, what would you recommend? So once I'm a believer in active recovery, um, hot tubs are generally not recommended because although they feel great um, because your body is beat up, you've got the inflammation there, the heat is only going to make that worse. Um, you, some people do, will do ice packs. Some people will go to the extreme and do an ice bath. Um, 
I don't, I, I'm not a big fan of ice baths, but um, what I do personally for me is I get in the pool and swim um, because it, 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 you're not, it's not weight bearing and it's really good to, uh, for stretching out. Um, even, even if it's not swimming laps, just getting in the pool and, and, and stretching because it, the buoyancy there allows you to, to just, you know, stretch your, your muscles um, in ways that you feels better than on land um walking uh just to just to help uh, uh get and, and casual walking not power walking um is really good to um just to help you um get the get the kinks out um but but i'm a, definitely a firm believer in active recovery you don't want to just kind of do nothing for a week so i'll get i'll i'll try to get, i'll try to get out there the very next day okay good all right. So my last question is maybe the most important of all. So full disclosure, you and I are in our fifties. We'll just leave it at that. When you run, are you one of the oldest people out there or are there a lot of people older than you? What would the expectation be for somebody who's not 21 years old? It runs from, you know, 18 to 80 uh, out there in the field, which is one of the things I love about running um, is that, the 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 it's it's kind of a cross section of of society. Um, you've got young people, you've got old people, you've got fast people, you've got slow people, you've got small people, you've got big people, um, and it's an ex- extremely positive um, environment because again, that everyone's out there for the same thing, and you're cheering, you're cheering, you're cheering for total strangers. Um, you're encouraging, you know, you, 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 you meet people out on the course and you, you just decide, let's just run together and talk. And, uh, you know, you find out their story, they find out your story. Some people are not talkers. I'm an extrovert. I'm a talker. Um, but, um, uh, it's, you find a, a, just a total cross section. Well, Mark, that is a really, really good digest. I think for somebody who wants to make this part of their 2021 goal, Um, I really appreciate you taking time out of the schedule to answer these questions. And if you're listening to this today, I guess maybe the only thing we could tell you is just get out there and start. Right, Mark? Absolutely. Just get out there, get started. Um, Find a a race that interests you, um, whether it's local or it's a destination race, make a vacation out of it. Um, And then then just uh, keep putting one foot in front of the other. That's, That's the key. It's just, don't give up. You can do it. Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the HR Oxygen Podcast. We hope you found something today that will relieve your stress, feed your soul, and pump you up to face another day. At Boss Builders, we want to let you know that we appreciate the hard work you do every day as an HR professional. And as a reminder, always make sure to adjust your own oxygen mask before attempting to help those around you. Be well.